I've included my kid on this journey. You know, he sees what dad does for a living. He sees dad working hard, grinding it out. I show him he's been to set with me. You know, he came to set this season. He, he saw me do a scene and he's leaving. He's like, dad, are we going? I'm like, no, buddy, I'm here. He's like, till when? I'm like, probably midnight, one o'clock. He's like, that's 10 hours from now. I'm like, yeah, buddy, dad's got to be here all day. He's like, you got to do it tomorrow. I'm like, every day for the next 60 days. Yeah, so I didn't realize that, you know, they had the, like, the big awards show the night before the Junos, yeah. and then the actual televised version the night after type of thing. Yeah. Well, I, I think, look, the, uh, the the night I hosted, we ran through 50 awards. So, so... <laughs> it's a workout. So, it's a workout. <laughs> but what I loved is, like, the camaraderie, because there's something about the television format that's really rigid. Yeah. You get X number of minutes, you got to get these acts up, you get, there's, like, a whole studio thing. But with this award show, because it was fluid... You didn't have to cut people's speeches off. Um, I remember when like bands were winning, people were cheering. You know, like there was like a camaraderie. Yeah. Like I remember when we were giving out the medal, the medal award, medal album. The band names were ridiculous, <laughs> and I just was like, "Can we just take a second and like talk about how amazing these band names yeah. are?" But like a woman had won a Juno, and she came up and she's like, "I've been doing this for forty years, and this is everything to me." And like the audience just sits there and they're just like, "Yes." We are you. We've been there. The rejection, yeah. the the fight to get there, right? Like I'm tearing up thinking about it, right? And that same woman, the album was uh, written by her mom, uh, and and these were like letters from the Holocaust. Oh wow! And she transcribed them into music, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. Don't get any more personal, you know? And yeah. so you're sitting there like history, right? Like a life's achievement here. And then when they announced. Um, uh, indigenous album of the year the community was just like we are here for this right yeah they had just performed and it was you know there's something special about uh a non-televised show with artists because you're just like you're just giving it's intimate props. you're not doing it for for the tv you're doing totally. it for each other you're not doing it for tv and you're doing it for each other and it's we as canadians are so terrible at taking time to just appreciate and recognize our worth and our strength and how good we are at something. So to take one night to do that for the music industry, I was so honored to be able to to be the conduit of that. How do we do that for the film industry? We do do it for the film industry with the Canadian Screen Awards. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's always like I think there's always ways of 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 doing more and doing it better. Like today, just before I came here, I launched a thread on Twitter just like talking about all the TV shows that are coming out in Canada over the next month and just kind of gushing of like making a TV show is a miracle. Finishing any creative endeavor <laughs> is a miracle. Yeah. Like Johnny Chan, when he won the World Series of Poker, uh, would say, you got to dodge bullets. Yeah. You get really lucky. And like that's when you make a TV show, when you make a movie, you got to get lucky a bunch of times to get through that whole process. So, you know, I think it's just taking more time to recognize ourselves. We're not, we, we shouldn't be seen. We shouldn't see ourselves as competing against one another. Yeah. You know, we're all trying to tell these very Canadian stories. And so I'm all for taking more time to just like recognize how amazing we are. Um, yeah, man. Like we're just like we're too polite. We're too damn polite <laughs> for our own good. Yeah, yeah, for our own good. And we, I, I really think that we could do so much more if we gave ourselves the credit we deserved, and we we sort of helped each other up as well. I think we had Cameron Bailey on talking about yeah. how you know a lot of Canadians will feel like they need to go down south to the states, and that's the only way that they can make a career out of something. I don't know if that's true. Like, I don't know if you yeah. have to go to the States. I see the appeal of it. Obviously, bigger market, a yeah. lot more access to movies, a lot more studios, a lot more opportunities. Where do we need to go in the film industry maybe here so that there's more opportunities for young actors, for existing Canadian actors to want to come and perform here? Well, you know, you're talking Cameron Bailey's, you know, who's like so ride or die over Canadian talent, leading one of the, 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 the big, great, art institutions in, 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 in the country and in the world. Yeah. Um, I honestly think that like for us, like there's always going to be an appetite for Canadian content. So it's just making really great Canadian content and finding audiences for it. 
It is a bit of like trying to change the public perception because like the public perception in Canada at times is like we we do kind of avoid Canadian projects or 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 this is a comment I got a lot on Kim's convenience. It's so good. I can't believe it's Canadian. You know? <laughs> Shit's Creek be a little is upsetting. so good. I can't believe it's Canadian. Letter Kenny's so good. Can you believe it's Canadian? Run it's the like, Burbs. Yeah. Canadian. Canadian. <laughs> and I love, uh, so it's this side note, when run the Run the Burbs trailer aired on Access Hollywood, Mario Lopez was like, look at that, a regular old American family. And I was like, ooh. Because <laughs> uh, like, he hadn't seen the show. He yeah. saw the trailer, right? Yeah. He's like, look at this show. It's amazing. But again, it's a Canadian show. Like, yeah. Canada greenlit this and literally so season one and two of run the burbs just dropped on Hulu on New Year's Eve and so many of the comments were damn Canadians know how to do comedy this is coming from Americans who watch Canadian content and say damn we are good at what we do right so it's a bit of like fighting this uh, perception that Canadian content in the country isn't great Mm. right it's like we got to champion our own work 100%. And, and so for me, it's like going to my friends who aren't in the industry, like in, aren't in the industry and like telling them about shows, but also saying things like you're posting about these American shows all the time. Can we put a little effort into the Canadian shows? Because really that's what it is. It's making uh, the Canadian audience um, see and recognize the value of our work. And I'm not, and I'm not talking about, I don't want this to be charitable. I don't want this to be like, don't give us pity because you know, we're Canadian. No, yeah. just actually try to look at our work give it some attention and just judge it for its own merits. But I, I really truly believe that the work we create here is incredible, Mm. right? There's so many amazing shows like, like us before we blow up in the U (laughs) S and you're like, Oh damn, I should have watched earlier. Yeah, exactly. I got friends who are coming back to me now, like season three of run the burbs. Like, yo, I started, just, just started watching season one. I'm like, it's, it's so good. I'm like, what have you, where have you been? You were, we did improv together for like 10 years, man. Come on, you got to support me here, yeah, right? People yeah. who were like finding Kim's convenience, like later on, like season four and fire, like it's so good. I'm like, where were you five years ago? Yeah. So I, I think really that's it. It's like, we can't, don't give up. We can't give up. We got to keep working, keep grinding it out, keep hustling, right? And, and um, back to what you said, it's like, when when Kim's convenience hit, there was like a very real conversation in my with my wife of like, do we try to go to the U.S. right? Like move to the move US. to the U.S. Yeah. because there was getting a little traction out there, and um, we stayed in Canada because I love Canada, I love working here, I love the people here, but I also got a family, and I really asked myself where I want to raise my kids, and I want to raise them in Canada. Mm-hmm. I want to raise them in a community that that I felt uh, felt a part of and felt connected to. And so it's a conversation that a lot of creatives are having. And so there's a like, you know, I've had these conversations with other parents who are in the industry. Like we, we stay in Canada to do this work and we kind of like we're bonded by it. Right. Yeah. Um, that's not to knock. Like I think going to the U.S. Like if you're young and you got nothing to lose, why not? Sure. Right. We're seeing I saw my boy Simu go out there and like he, he had nothing to lose and everything to gain. Yeah. Right. But I think it's really it's to the person. It's much like an artistic career. Whatever you do needs to fit you. Like I, I get asked for advice a lot of like, what's your advice for a young actor? And I, I say, I don't got great advice because my advice is really vague. But I always say, do you love it? What do you love about it? You know, do you love the award shows? You love the glamour? You love the magazines? Don't do it for those reasons. A lot of people love it for that reason. They love it for those reasons, yeah. right? You see the popularity. Do you love that? Don't do it because uh, that is so far and few in between and it's such a small part of what you will have to end up doing with the rejection and the going out there, feeling vulnerable, feeling like you have no worth, constantly questioning yourself, right? I started an improv comedy. The amount of church basements I had to play in, the amount of venues that had two people in the audience. I did an improv marathon, 12-hour improv marathon with two audience members. One of them was my wife. One of them was a sound technician. Think about that, right? So you're looking out there. There's one person, yeah. right? My wife, yeah. my my girlfriend, now wife. Yeah. So it's like, do and you, you weren't even sure if she would stay that way. I wasn't even sure. I'm like, hours. you can leave. You like, I can get my own way home. Yeah. So I always say to young people, I'm like, do you love it, right? If you love it, then keep doing it. And I bet you, if you ask any of the artists you've had on this show. Do you love, I, I, like I, I learned Sean Desmond's story. You know, he was like a kid, you know, in like, uh, like performing in Portuguese community associations, yeah. right? Yeah. He has to love it. 
to keep doing it all these years later. Yeah. And even when he hit his success, and I love this, you know, like there was that period he talked about the dark times where he didn't yep. know if he should do it anymore. Even when you become the top of your field in this country, you still question your worth, right? So all those moments we see him in music videos and award shows, there's some low moments, right? And I think now the second phase of his career, I think he appreciates it so much more now. 100%. Yeah. But you got to love it. You, you absolutely have to love it. And he's talked about that, how, you know, that window of time when he took off from, like he took some time off from the music industry, it was always there. It was just burning dimly, yeah. right? And the minute an opportunity presented itself, it was like, where have you been all my life type of thing? And yeah. he's passionate about it. And I think that speaks to it. But you said something interesting about dealing with the rejections and the low moments and all those things. What was your low moment? Oh, there's so many low moments, man. There's a lot of low moments. Like firstly, so I come from the improv world where I would do two or three improv shows a week. Mm -hmm. And so early on, it was a low moment early on. Like, I was not good. I didn't have a comedic voice. I didn't know who I was trying to be. It really wasn't until my friend, like my friends and all, and I all joined this improv theater and it's when they, they stopped coming and I stayed because like I, I was no longer doing it to make them laugh. I was doing it just for my benefit. Right. That was the change, right? I stayed doing it when I was in university. I was just trying to grind it out, figure it out. And I found my comedic voice, but all those like that year or two before, man, like I was the least funny out of all my friends that joined the loose moose theater. And so grinding it out, stayed there, figured it out. And then that's when you ride the wave, you could have three or four good shows and then just have a terrible show. And that's what I loved about living in Calgary. Because Calgary is not this epicenter hot spot of entertainment, you know, for real estate, apparently. real estate and country music. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but not for improv comedy. So for me, I could have terrible nights and my artistic director was like, great, come back next week. You learn from it. What are you going to do, Andrew? Yeah. You need to come back next week and do it. So I got to ride these waves and eventually like the highs stayed longer. And then every now and then there's a show that humbles you, but the ride, stay, the highs stay longer. You ride it out longer. And that's when I found my voice. Um, but there's always like every, every little while there's like a reminder of things that maybe a, a project you didn't get. But the truth is now, as I do it all these years later, the lows are less common because I love what I do. Mm. I love what I do. And I know the lows come with it. The hard moments come with it. There's hard moments on set. There's hard moments where like, I didn't take my kids trick-or-treating this year. That sucks. I was on set working. Yeah. That was hard. That's a low moment. Your family's important to you. We, we talked about important. that uh, at the Junos. Yeah. You, like, so you and I met at the Juno Awards on the red carpet. And in that brief exchange, you talked about your family. And that always tells me something that when there's a small moment of encounter, when you bring up something like that, it means it carries such significant weight in mm -hmm. your life. How has that played a role in your life as an actor, as a father, as a husband, as a human? Well, you know, as an as an actor, I try to always think about the roles I take and whether or not my kids can watch it. Okay, you know, like it, it's true. Like I, I got offered a crime show years ago, and I was like, "What's what's the crime?" He's like, "This guy." rape people and then set them on fire and I'm like ah I'm out yeah. I, I can't do that <laughs> is his crime like a cyber crime did he rob a bank because I'm like that's you know what I mean like yeah. that's a line of like I can show my kids and like it's TV yeah. right so I always think about like what's what am I what roles am I doing that I can show my kids and it's a reflected in my work where like now run the burbs a show about a family in the suburbs like I, I, I hope to leave this as a legacy to my kids of like we're telling their stories on television. We're telling the stories of, of the children of immigrants and their kids mm. on television. Like that's my hope. Right. So I try to always put good into the world. And prior to being an actor, I was the director of a nonprofit called youth central where we got young people volunteering in the communities. Um, I, I was there for six years and I loved my work there. And I remember something my executive director told me, she said, I always want to leave the world a better place as I inherited it. So when she leaves the world, she hopes it's better because of her presence. And I always try to keep that in mind with, with whatever I do, yeah. with whatever I do, with whatever interaction I have. I try to I want to make sure that my interaction with you, my what I do in the world, who I am is better because I was there. And so that's why I value being a parent so much, trying to find that balance, making sure that my work reflects um, my family values. 
um, reflects conversations I could have with my kids. And it's been really fun because I've included my kids on the journey. Mm. Like I, uh, this happened just recently and we, my son and older son and I binged Cobra Kai, love Cobra Kai, <laughs> binged it. He loved, he watched all the karate kid movies and like, I'm telling him the lore of it. The, the fan expo reaches out and said, Hey, can you moderate some panels? I said, I'd love to. Can you give me the Cobra Kai panel? I bring him down to the fan expo. He doesn't know. He just knows we're going to go see Cobra Kai. Yeah. He sees dad walk out with Cobra Kai on stage, right? <laughs> Real high moment, right? Yeah. Then right after, I'm like, Hey, buddy, you want to come watch me do some improv? Go down to Comedy Bar, watches me do an improv show. And I say to my improv partner beforehand, yo, Christy, can we keep this a clean set? She's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. It is not a clean set. <laughs> I'm apologizing to my kid in the front row. He's slapping his leg, right, laughing. It's the joy of it. Yeah. I've included my kid on this journey. You know, he sees what dad does for a living. He sees dad working hard, grinding it out. I show him he's been to set with me. You know, he came to set this season. He, he saw me do a scene and he's leaving. He's like, dad, are we going? I'm like, nobody I'm here he's like till when I'm like probably midnight one o'clock he's like that's 10 hours from now I'm like yeah buddy dad's gotta be here all day he's like you gotta do it tomorrow I'm like every day for the next 60 days right so he sees dad working but I want that I want him to see that I want him work to be ethic. a part of it right work ethic appreciation understanding but I don't ever want him to feel like dad's job was separate from him Mm. I already miss out on a lot of my kids' life because of my job and, and opportunities. So whenever I can, I can bring it together. I will absolutely bring those worlds together. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, was your dad in, in the film industry? No, my dad, um, my dad owned a metal shop. He was okay. like a welder, welding metal fabrication. And I guess, it, I guess what I just said is really related to when I turned 14, he started bringing me to the shop. And I started working in the shop and it was like little things like putting screws in. Um, then it became like working this like really menial machine, it's like 10,000 pieces of like bending a thing. But he paid me seven bucks an hour. That's, that's a lot of money. Yeah. You go to the mall, go, go to Blue Notes, yeah, go to yeah. Bootleg or get some stuff, right? Um, but Blue those notes. two, those two, yeah, those two summers go to Randy River, yeah. right? Uh, what was the other one? Stitches. Stitches. Yeah. Oh, Stitches is still a thing. <laughs> is it still? A, I think Stitches is still a thing. Um, Le Chateau. Le Chateau. Yeah. Le yeah. Chateau before it was really classy because yes. Le Chateau was like trying to it, be very. It got classy. really classy yeah. for a while. Then. Yeah. And I was. I walked in and I was like, I can't afford anything in here anymore. Yeah. Nor are you uh, dressing yourself for grade eight grad. You're yeah. not. <laughs> yeah. It's either right? one or the other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, those those two years I went to work with my dad on on summer breaks and all the school breaks was like really uh, really formative for me. So I think yeah, I saw how hard my dad worked, and in that moment I understood. Like in that moment, a lot of my uh, teenage angst towards my dad and resentment because he was so busy became crystal clear why. Like I understood him now. Mm -hmm. I understood what he was doing. Like he didn't, he, he had to go to work, right? And he had to go to work for our family. Yeah. And so I, I really recognized it over those two years. It's the immigrant story. It is the immigrant story. And so now as the child of immigrants, uh, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be able to try to find that balance, right? And though I sometimes I'm just like, ah, oh, I'm just I'm making the same mistakes that I think my dad made, you know. But I'm trying to write them and I'm trying to fix them and I'm trying to do something with it. Do you ever reconcile that with your dad? Yeah, yeah. I have a great relationship with my parents, mm -hmm. and I think you know often you hear with Asian families, you know, there's a lot of struggle with their parents. I got a great relationship because my parents, when I was like 21, 22, I started inviting them to my improv shows. And they didn't see me at year one. They saw me year five. Okay. So like so I was saw the polished. Yeah. <laughs> so I was much better. Yeah. And I remember my mom and dad were constantly like, Andrew, you got to go. You got to go to Hollywood. You got to do this. I'm like, okay, ease up, mom. Take it easy. Okay. <laughs> but my parents were always the ones who were like, you should go do this. So my yeah. parents really encouraged me because I, in I included them on the journey because I think there's a fear of immigrant parents of like, they don't want their kids to be poor and hungry. Um, but I think they saw that I was on to something. Mm. They also saw me going to university, getting a degree, getting a real job, like hustling another passion. Right? Yeah. Um, what was the other passion? Well, it was nonprofit work. Right. And okay. I remember Avenue Magazine out in Calgary did a top 40 under 40. And I was listed top 40 under 40. 
for my nonprofit work. Wow. And at the very bottom it says, Andrew also pursues comedy. <laughs> right? And yeah. now all these years later, 10 years later, the, the comedy is the career. Yeah. Right? Um, but yeah, I, I have a great relationship with my parents. And one that bonded even more when I had kids. Because I remember when I had kids, my parents uh, love hanging out with my kids. And uh, my dad and my mom and dad were just coming over with treats, giving them money, whatever, taking the 7-Eleven, get them whatever. And I'm like, mom, dad, what are you doing? Like, where where are these parents? Like, where were the parents I had when I was a kid? Yeah. And my dad looked at me, he says, that's your job now. My job now is to have fun with them. Your job is to do the things I did with you to make sure that you're a good person, to make sure that you go to school, to make sure that you work hard. That's your job now. Mm. And it really put, so I get to see the fun of my parents come out. So my parents uh, weren't hard on me because they were just joyless people. They were hard <laughs> on me because they needed to raise a good human being. I think we a lot of people sometimes forget that. Yeah. And I've said this so many times and every time I say it, it's like a nice reminder for myself and anyone who hears it is that our parents were going through life for the first time. They're growing up. They're they're learning and figuring it out as they go. Yeah. And when they when they take a harder stance or a sterner stance, my parents were both loving, similar to yours, very loving, but they had to work all the time. Yeah. And in those moments where they were able to to sit down with me and show me affection and spend time watching movies and ordering pizza and watching the Leafs lose and all that other fun stuff. Yeah. It was those moments were, were the the important moments. And yeah. when I think about what you just said, it makes me remember again, they were just doing the best they could with what they had. Yeah. Yeah. We were watching our parents grow up, man. And our parents were young sometimes. Like sometimes like like twenty eight back in the day is like forty five. <laughs> like I look at a photo of my dad yeah. and I'm like, oh man, we're the same age. Yeah. Right? And uh Except they, they moved countries. Oh, they, they didn't know the language. language. Yeah. They, yeah. Like, no money. Half the time it's like if I had to I had to move from one part of Etobicoke to another and I was like I don't know how I'm going to manage my life. How am I going to do this? I don't know anything about this place, right? They moved entire countries, faced different challenges, prejudice, right? Lack of language, like sometimes lack of education that transferred over. Uh With kids. With kids, right? And so, um, and then kids who are complaining about like, I can't bring food that you make to school for lunch. You know, like we're ungrateful for it, right? And now all I want is my mom's cooking. 100%. All I want, right, is my mom's food. It's, yeah, it's tough. But like, yeah, so, so, you know, my relationship with my parents is really good. I'm an only child as well. So I think it's really helpful because like we had no one else but each other. Right. Right. And so, um, yeah, we've we've bonded. We're always texting each other. My mom and dad are really into emojis right now, which is like really <laughs> just trying to understand. Yeah. They're like, like they have English as a second language, and now they're learning emojis. So like, I'm trying to really understand the emojis yeah. via that world. Yeah. So it's 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 been fun. Like I I love it. And um, uh, my my dad and I share a uh, in, sorry a Netflix account. Okay, obviously, <laughs> and sometimes like. He'll see that I watch something and he'll watch it. He'll come and like ask me about it. And I'm like, wait, you watch that? Why are you watching that? He's like, when you were watching it, you were two seasons in. I thought it was going to be really good. I was like, that's pretty sound logic, Dad. It is. That's it really, is. really sound is. logic. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I have a really joyous relationship with them now and, and, and I'm really thankful for it. Yeah. Because of, you know, I, because they included me in their life and I got to see everything they did. And you have two kids? I have two kids, yeah. What's a lesson you learned from your parents that you want to impart on your kids? Well, my mom and dad were really into uh, being good people. So like manners and, and, and being good to your neighbors and mm-hmm. always helping each other and supporting one another. So really, like that's been my goal with my kids to really just try to raise good human beings, thoughtful human beings who care for their neighbors, who care for each other, who, um, yeah, care for the people around them. And because I feel like, I feel as I get older, uh, the people I notice that like are, are, are caring, they're like magnets mm-hmm. for good people and friends. They'll always be taken care of. I often find the people that are muttering on the street are like angry or like get caught up in those videos or they're yelling and like are people who are like, who don't do those things. No. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're so, also hurting on the inside. Pardon? They're also probably hurting on the inside. They're hurting on the, definitely hurting on the inside. Yeah. And so uh, it's really just trying to raise good human beings and trying to have a lot of fun with them. That's something I learned from my parents. 
And then what I try to mix that with is what I've learned is like trying to have fun because mm. I didn't always have the most fun growing up because like, you know, my parents were pretty, pretty strict on me. Yeah. So it's like, cause it coming from the, imp- I'm coming from the improv world where everything about improvisation is, is having fun. Yes. Anding the situation, living in the moment. So I'm trying to really work with my kids to like, to be that, mm. to have that. Right. Um, but like, it, I'll say this. Um, I, Sometimes with my kids, if they're like, I got two boys and they're fighting or having a tough day, I'm always like, oh, it's so tough. And then I go out and I see other siblings in the world and I'm like, oh, I got it easy. My kids, <laughs> my kids don't like, don't do that, yeah. you know? Or if I see a meltdown at the mall, I'm like, oh, I'm glad my kids have never done that. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm really glad that like, because I think sometimes like modern parenting gets a little bit of a bad reputation of just like people like making fun of it, you know, making fun of it for being too woke, mm-hmm. you know. But for me, it's like it's more of just having conversations with my kids, right? Yeah. And like I, I'm strict when I need to be strict. Well, it's but, that fine balance too. Yeah. Like it's it, having con- there's moments where I think back to my childhood where I go, you know, my there are moments my parents were strict and they didn't give me answers in times where if they simply sat me down and explained something to me. Yeah it would have made so much more sense for me and totally. it wouldn't have taken me as long to understand the lesson totally or to listen to the instructions you know what i mean totally and that yeah. conversation is so important it's really that I'm just trying to have conversations with my kids yeah. trying to get ahead of ahead of things that come up um yeah and i you know i i say that we i see the way my kids handle things and process things like we were watching the mighty ducks movies it's a great movie great movie great movie but there's a joke in mighty ducks 1 where Emilio Estevez, Coach Bombay, says, you're playing like a bunch of girls. And I paused it and I said to Nico, I'm like, hey, buddy, you know, this this movie came out like 1991. We don't make that joke anymore because yeah. we're seeing a professional women's hockey league right now. So women, About they, time. they can play hockey. <laughs> My son looks at me. He says, yeah, dad, I know. Like he knew. He's like, yeah, we don't make that joke anymore. I'm like, okay, good. We can play, right? So, so you know, we're having these conversations, but sometimes they don't even need it. Yeah. Sometimes like they're just like, yeah, I, I, I'm cool with this. Like, yeah, I, I get it. This movie's a little bit older. I get some some of these jokes don't make sense, right? Yeah. And so that makes me really happy, you know. And and it makes me really happy that you know I, I got these kids that will see the world in that way, that will give their peers the respect, right? Yeah. Uh, and the women's hockey, like I gotta make a side note, like. They had like eight hundred thousand viewers for their debut game. That's freaking incredible. Incredible. Yeah. That's 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 like Raptors numbers. It, it boggles my mind to think that it's taken us this. Like it's one of those things that now that it's happened, you're like, yeah, this is obvious. It's it's happened. Like why yeah. wouldn't it? And then you start to think to yourself, how has it taken this long to get to this? Yeah. Like this should have been a thing years ago. Should have been a thing years ago. But at the same time, what I'm appreciative of it happening now is that. Um, that we get to finally, we get to actually appreciate it. Yeah. Because I think if it happened earlier and society wasn't ready yet, it wouldn't have, sur- it, it wouldn't have, well. it wouldn't yeah. have survived yeah. and it would have been, they, they would, you know, already the, their comments are like the worst comments, right? Like the comments you get on there. Like there was, yeah. a, there was a TikTok that uh, a player posted where she's like, finally get to go to work, making money for my dream. And the comments were just terrible. Right. And they're from the same dudes. Yeah. Just angry. Just you angry know? at life. Yeah. So I think if it happened earlier, but now I think there's like, now that like there's a conversation around this topic and around equality and around so many social issues that we can, uh, appreciate it and support it. Mm. You know, like, I, look, I don't know why the Raptors didn't bring a WNBA team here because I'd be all for it, right? Women's basketball over the last couple of years has been incredible. Yep. And so, you know, it's, it's stuff like that. But, like, you know, going back to my kids, it's like that's the stuff I'm really proud of, being able to have those conversations. And especially around, like, I love our conversations around feelings, around feelings, around struggles. You know, I've had, like, I, my oh, this happened recently. My son was came home from school, and I was like, "What?" I knew something was wrong. I'm like, "What's wrong?" He's like, "I don't want to talk about it. I'm just having a bad day." And he went upstairs, and like I was like, "Didn't even." I didn't go to the room; just left him. Hour later, he came down. He's like, "I'm ready to talk about it." Perfect. That's great. Let's talk about it. He told us about his bad day. We listened. Had some ice cream. The amount of men that struggle to talk about their feelings, you know. And so I'm so proud that I'm happy that hopefully my young men are able to talk about their feelings, process them, and have a bowl of ice cream. You know, <laughs> so that that makes me really happy about 
this generation of parenting yeah. and these conversations we're having. Which is so important because that's how you build the next generation of healthy men. Yeah. Right? Healthy yeah. men mentally, emotionally, and then they're in better relationships with their parents, with their friends, with their partners, with their coworkers. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't quite comprehend the resistance to stuff like that still. Well, I think it's resistance to change. Yeah, know? but it just, it seems... It seems nonsensical when you tell like that perfect that story right there. Where's the where's the issue in something like that? I I you know where's the issue? I think you know, and, and but someone will always find an issue with something. No, hundred yeah. percent. You know, I posted a, a picture of me doing art with my kids on Twitter one time. It was like we were making birdhouses. That's it. We we're just decorating birdhouses, and one woman responded, "She's like, you don't have to keep your kids occupied all the time, Andrew." And I was like, "Oh damn, you saw a dad <laughs> doing art with his kids, and that was your response?" Yeah. Okay, you know, like there's always <laughs> you know, there's always someone. Yeah, so uh literally before I came here, uh my girlfriend loves Home Sense. Yeah. Is in like this uh group on Facebook that you know when they post all these new things. Yeah, and yeah. one of the moms, I guess, just moved to the area and she asked, you know, what are good schools in the area? And somebody in the comments replied, uh it's not the school that teaches the kid, it's you. You need to be a better parent and just went off like yeah. with an essay. Yeah. And I was I started reading the comments and I'm like I don't like that is what you take yeah. away. That is what you felt you needed to say. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. So how do you deal with the comments on the stuff you post about you, about the show, about your career? Well, a couple things. One I I ignore some of them, you know. Sometimes I just ignore it. But the, but what I've tried to do is I just try to like have sometimes have rational responses to things, mm. you know, um, like someone, you know, recently uh, made a comment, big fan of the show, just made a comment saying, you know, I, I love Andrew's show. I don't think Andrew and I would have the same political beliefs. And I, I wrote back. I'm like, hey, man, thanks for watching the show. I really appreciate it. I disagree. I think you and I, we sat down and had a drink, would agree on 99% of things. Let's just be friends. You know, and he's like, thanks, Andrew. I'm like, we can disagree on things. Yeah. I'm not going to hate on you for that, you know? Yeah. And so sometimes with the comments, but like, I just try to put joy into the world and, and it's like a joy force field. <laughs> and so for the most part, you know, sometimes I'll get the random comment here and there with stuff. Um, but like, I just, sometimes I just respond and like one time I just respond like, Hey, thanks for the, thanks for the criticism. Like, yeah. I really appreciate it. I'll really internalize it and try to make it better. And that was it. And they're like, yeah, okay. And I don't I don't think they properly knew how to respond to that because someone came back, I'm not going to argue with you. You feel like this this the scene I wrote wasn't right for you. Hey, man, I, I'm sorry you feel that way. I'll try to, you know, I'll try to like internalize that criticism and, yeah. and, 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 and address that. But this is a very personal thing to me and it's accurate to me. Mm. And, and, you know, with Run the Burbs, it's a very personal show and there's a lot of moments of, of Vietnamese representation. There's a lot of moments of Indian, South Asian representation. So we try to connect it to people in the writer's rooms. That doesn't, but like my Vietnamese experience isn't every Vietnamese person's experience, right? Mm. Yep. And so, like, you know, there, uh, one of our things came up where, like, someone made a comment saying, this is not how Vietnamese people do this. And I'm like, firstly, you, you, you live in the U.S., so U.S. Vietnamese and Canada Vietnamese are very different. And Vietnam Vietnamese are very different. Like, they would look at us and be like, you guys don't. No, <laughs> you don't count. Yeah, it's like in The Sopranos <laughs> where Tony Soprano went to Italy. Yeah. And even Tony Soprano was like a bit were, like scared of yeah. the Italian mafia out there. I'm like, yes, a reminder that even in The Sopranos, <laughs> yeah. the New Jersey Italian mob was very different very than different. the Italian Italian mob, yeah, right? Very so, different. So I think there's just nuances all over. So I actually talk about specificity in my work. I try mm. to be very specific to this family. But in regards to dealing with the haters, one, you ignore it. If you feel like, if I feel like it's like unhinged or like just hate for hate, I just ignore it. If I feel like there's an opportunity to properly respond, I'll properly respond. And it's been, uh, I, I'm thankful it's been really good. You know, yeah. it's been really good for my mental health. Yeah. But I do, I do. I do actively check how much time I'm on social media for my mental health, you know, cause like there's Important. some, yeah. yeah. And I, there's also things I won't conversations, things I won't go into on social media because it's misinterpreted in so many ways. So yeah. I just avoid it. I just try to put joy onto the world. Well, ever since I started doing the podcast, I've realized more and more why long form conversation is so important. Totally. Like you can't, there's no way you can get the gist of a whole person's being thought process beliefs in a 
comment on a social post. Yeah. You just there's too much that you're gonna like you can go any which way. You can interpret it any which way. Yeah. And and to engage with the haters that way, I think is you're right. Just a you're better off not engaging, not sort of wasting that energy on something like that. I like the approach though of just being positive. Yeah. I've tried that too at times where it's just like, hey, you know what? Appreciate that you even took the time to write a comment. Yeah. I hope you have a great day. Yeah. And end it there. Yeah. And sometimes the feedback to that is like, thanks, man. That was actually really nice. I, I it, so it, it's kill it with kindness was something, you know, I learned uh, early. Um, and also like a big trait of, of improv comedy, like improv comedy is like actually like the, the, the hard, the, for improvisers, the hardest thing they struggle with early on, like new improvisers is being positive. Mm. Like oftentimes in improv scenes, they'll come in and, create an argument right away and one of my exercises when i was teaching was just like doing a scene where you don't argue about anything for a minute mm. and see where that takes you right and, and and what it ends up doing is it actually creates more enriching and more detail oriented scenes so my hope is when i go into the world being really positive it creates a more enriching life for me and my family how does improv tie into how you uh Behave might not be the right word, but interact with other people in your normal day to day. I would say just even exist. Like improv, improv totally changed me because like I, when I joined the theater, I was sixteen, really struggling. I didn't, I wasn't comfortable in my own skin. I wasn't comfortable who I was. My grades in school were like mediocre. When I started doing improv, my grades got better because if I knew if I had good grades, I can go do improv, mm. right? And um, Firstly, thankfully, the the theater never charged for lessons, which was like a reduction of barrier. I'm really always really thankful for that because they always ask, I'm like, how did an Asian comedian out of Calgary even make it to this? I'm like, well, it's because I never had to pay for classes at the beginning, right? It was like, I could just kind of go do it, just a space to exist. But um, in regards to, 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 to improv in my life, it taught me these basic pillars. Like with an improv scene, when you go in, you want to go in one positive go into a situation positive i go into this interaction i'm positive if i came in here and i'm like oh, how long is this gonna take how would that make you feel right yeah, yeah. you'd be like well this guy doesn't want to be here yeah if i came in and i was like okay well what's your what's your name what's your name where are you, where are you okay well, okay whatever you know like that's like that would obviously immediately put you off oh 100 come in positive well i mean i saw the way you interacted with that lady outside yeah it's like oh that's really nice well how could you not she was yeah. she was a gem yeah she, she was, was she was yeah. she, she saw <laughs> it in the hallway she's yeah. like oh <laughs> you're here and I was like yeah okay and you know you give, you give her can I give you a hug of course you can give me a hug when when a, when a mother of that energy and that bubbliness wants to give you a hug you give her a hug yeah you know <laughs> you give her a hug and if she offers you leftovers in a Tupperware container that used to be like a margarine container you take it because it, it'll be yeah. good yeah um but improv taught me to be positive. It taught me to be genuinely curious, mm. have big ears, listen to your partner. It taught me to live in the moment. It taught me to um, yes and. So if I hear a suggestion, yes and, mm. right? Agree and, right? So y- you do that. That's like a a, a a tool book, a handbook, a guide to just living life. Like, so you go and you approach the world like a big, long improv scene, because truthfully, improv is making things up as you go. What is life? Making things up as you go. I don't got the script to life. I don't got the script to improv. So you just go out there and you just do it. And like, literally, my whole life is just a big, giant improv scene. It's just trying to do the scene, trying to make it, you know, through the day, trying to figure out, trying to have fun with it, trying to make people around you laugh and smile. Really, right? So I think improv is the best training, not just for performers, but it's just for people to handle life. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I love uh, I love when they bring improv into the workplace. And so I've done a lot of workshops. I did a workshop with Uber. Um, my artistic director in Calgary did a whole workshop with a bunch of teachers. I've done it with teachers. I've done it with different staff. Um, I've done it with in the corporate world in regards to HR people. I've gone in and taught improv workshops. But it's such a, a great way of handling what can be interpreted as stressful situations. Because mm-hmm. I think people are sometimes stressed out about, well, look, some people are stressed out by just going outside. Yeah. Some people are stressed out by just making a phone call, right? So I think like improv really helps you kind of navigate those worlds, yeah. right? So when I go and do a different thing, I put on a different hat for that situation. But that was improv. And so I'm so thankful I got to go do that and continue to get to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I never thought about life and 
essentially life just being one giant improv scene. It is, man. It's a great analogy. Oh, I like that. Yeah, life much like like Tom Cochran said, life is a highway, and it's just a long improv scene. <laughs> a long improv. Yeah. Scene. Okay, so I want to go back to run the verbs for a second. Yeah. By the way, thanks for this too. Of course, man. This is a cool too. Yeah. You're looking at this poncho. <laughs> yeah. Um. You at one point you talked about how putting something together is like a mixture of work but also luck Mm -hmm. talk to me about the process for putting this together the new season like how all that came to be the work involved in it because i think sometimes to to the point you made about the story earlier with your son sort of showing up and then leaving going wait you got to be here for another 10 hours yeah not a lot of people really grasp what goes on behind the scenes of a show like this yeah well like i would argue like my whole career is like a little bit of luck to get to a certain point you know hard work and luck like I got cast out of Kim for Kim's convenience out of an at a fringe show like an improv show at the fringe in Edmonton so like that's a little bit luck right yeah. but they didn't see year one Andrew they saw year 15 Andrew right. they saw literally 10,000 plus hours of Andrew doing comedy and now had built a sold-out show at the fringe so they saw the best version of myself right and I think that's a so not to cut you off that's yeah. a key point there is they saw year 15 yeah like this isn't overnight success no. like you just started yesterday and you hopped on set and you're like great yeah. here I am it's yeah. like you've put in days months years, years. yeah and so we were sometimes like, where'd this guy come from? It's like, no, I've been digging it out. <laughs> Two person audiences, right? <laughs> so, you know, it's a lot of hard work, but it's it's a little bit of luck. Like, you know, uh, Inns Choi was there, you know, to come and invited me to audition for the show. I don't know if I would have auditioned for the show if it wasn't for that interaction because I mm-hmm. wasn't in the theater world. Um, and so, you know, you make a show that becomes a hit, you know, and then with Run the Burbs, it was like, we. Ha- I had another show in development um, that was like, it was a sneaker show around like uh, me traveling, exploring sneakers mm. that was put in development. And that show had a lot of high hopes. At the beginning didn't get picked up, you know, at the end of it, my partner, Scott Townen and I were just like, we should move on. So it's like, you know, hard work, a little bit of luck to get that first initial look, but then also come back down. So the waves again. Right. Yeah. But then from there, it's like, what do we really want to make? And that to me is a bit of a luck because I think actually the show not getting picked up was a little bit lucky because it allowed us to make what became Run the Burbs. And then being able to bring Run the Burbs to, again, luck, I was in Montreal at the Just for Laughs Festival. I was hanging out with my friend Racky Morzaria, my comedy friend, and we see Bill Lundy at Pier 21. He's an exec that says, I want an Andrew Fung project. I said, okay, man, a little bit of luck seeing him there, right? This random interaction make the show right no here's the other luck i hosted uh i i was i was the host of the pilot for this cooking show okay right that was going to shoot in uh, in december i got dropped as the host for another host so i took that month of december that i had sectioned off to work on the pilot that became run the burbs wow again a low moment yeah you could have packed it luck. in Right. I could have packed it in or I could have been making that show and not have spent the time doing this show. Yeah. Right. So, um, wrote, put the show, we, we, we wrote like what became the Bible of the show, the pitch package, um, brought it to pier 21. They optioned it, brought it to CBC and then away you go away. It doesn't happen that way. Right. Right. But you know, some things have to go right our way, discovering it. But what I am happy about is that the show was always about this family it was always about this outlook and this was always the way they saw the world. Mm. You know, things might have changed with it, um, but it's always been like, this has always been the family. Mm. Uh, but yeah, some things have to break right. And that's like literally any career. And that's why for me, like in anything, there's always ups and downs, but I, that's why like I approach it like I'm positive, you know, other things will come up. Yeah. So when when things in the world change, when something doesn't go your way, if you're working hard, if you're doing your thing and you love it, things will come up again right and so i'm i'm always like i'm always kind of salivating at like other opportunities of things i can do and i'm always like ooh, that'll be really fun when i get the chance to i'm gonna do it and i always act on those things i always like my instagram is like full of saves of like things (laughs) i'm gonna eat places i want to go um uh, (laughs) things for my kids you know that kind of stuff so like really that was the process of making run the burbs and run the burbs was inspired by my upbringing in the suburbs Mm. but like I don't know about you, but like your suburbs, like 
The suburbs were a place where immigrants, families of color, newcomers of the country, they could have a life for their family. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes the suburbs are portrayed as very white. Yeah. So I wanted to portray the suburbs as I saw them. And this isn't a fictional thing. This isn't like me trying to it's make a real thing. It's a real thing. It's like taking the camera that was on the Tanner family in Full House and pointing it to the family next door. Right. <laughs> and so it's like the people that surround you. And so that's that's been the joy of making the show. That's awesome. I like that. I think that's important to, to, to showcase that. Yeah. And then to also have the creative freedom to sort of be the person pushing for something like that is equally important. Look, man, I, I, I'm every single day I'm always like, ah, I can't believe I get to do this. Like every time I go to set, I'm always like, we get to do this today? This is bonkers. Or like something, If uh, sometimes they'll do a thing on set and I'm like, I can't believe I wrote that <laughs> and y'all are doing it. Yeah. <laughs> like I wrote that thing, right? And so that's so cool. So Scott and I are always in awe. He's my creative partner. We're always in awe of like being able to make and do these things to yeah. write them and they come out into the world. Um and, you know, it's it's also really fun to, like, draw on personal experiences. Like, episode two of season three, which is uh, premiering now, is about finding a new family doctor. And I don't know about you, but finding a family doctor is... It's a nightmare. It's, it's the Hunger Games. <laughs> yeah, right? it's so Hunger hard. Games with healthcare. Yeah. <laughs> it's not easy. No, it's not easy. And then when you find one, there's, like, a... A dating period. Yeah. You got to get to know each other. <laughs> and that's totally the episode. The episode is like just trying to woo a new family doctor. <laughs> yeah. But we're always like, you know, all the episodes are like really, really, really related and grounded to things that people in the writer's room uh, understand or went through. Right. And then it's a lot of stuff around parenting that we get. Um, but yeah, that's like the process of making the show, man, like connecting improv to it, like how I approach the world, how I approach this whole process. And I will say, just for laughs, I was hanging out with my friend Racky Morzaria. Who plays my wife on the show? Racky Morzaria. And like, what a what a kismet moment. Yeah. That the person I was with when Bill said, I want an Andrew Fung show, and I'm like, I got one for you. It's <laughs> literally the person that is my wife on the show now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's been very cool. I'm always, like, really thankful. And I always say to people, this isn't how it is. Because, like, when you're developing TV, it's a years. You hear about things that are pitched and developed for years. Squid Games was, like, Six took years a took a, a while. Time, yeah. He sold his computer at one point, yeah. so it's like there's ups and downs, right? But again, do you love it? Yeah, right. So I interviewed uh, I interviewed someone years ago, and um, uh, they were talking about their success in television. I'm like, oh, tell me about the lows, and they're like, why? And I'm like, because it's really easy to talk about successes. You know, it's really easy to hype it up. And I'm like, we actually want to hear about some of the lows because they inform our understanding of the success. Mm-hmm. They actually make it sweeter. But also a lot of people in this room right now are here because they want, they, they look up to you and your career. Yep. And they, if they get a rejection, they think they might as well quit. And I asked, like, how many development deals did you get before your show took off? And he's like, probably 40. I'm like, 40 development deals. Wow. 40 projects in development before your project took off. That's wild. That's right? huge. Yeah. That's not a that's not an easy thing to to go through. That's like, not I mean, easy just thing. imagine once you're on number ten. Yeah. And you're still going through it and then it's like the last thirty have failed. Totally. And you're still pushing through. And I, I love stories like that because it makes success so much sweeter. And mm-hmm. we and like I said earlier, we need to just celebrate our wins. Yeah. And I and there's a there's a uh, an actress on season one of Run the Verbs, Arwen Humphreys, and she had posted a thing on her Twitter one day and she's like, I believe I'm still auditioning. I've auditioned for like let's say like a hundred projects and she, I'm oh for a hundred right now this year. And she had she had like a very she's like a recurring role on a very successful television show mm-hmm. uh, but she was auditioning for other things like looking for more work because we got to get more work yep. and then she auditioned for run the burbs and uh, i just tweeted back one out of 100 because she booked the role yeah right and so it's like again we get to celebrate those wins and those sweet sweet moments and i love that you did that because i think it's it's such a nice wholesome moment and a nice reminder to anybody who sees that like you know, you can get 99 no's, but the yeah. one yes is the one that matters. It is all that matters, yeah. you know? And, and that was it for me. Like, you know, I guess a low for me would have been the fact that I didn't think I had a career in TV and film because I, I was out in Calgary auditioning for stuff and never getting anything, never booking much. Um, if I booked it, it was like very specifically they wanted me because yeah. they had known me from doing comedy. But if it was like general stuff, I was never in the mix for it. And, uh, 
you know, it wasn't until Ian's Choi told me to audition for Kim's Convenience. And what's wild is like I get I I didn't think TV and film was for me because I didn't see a place for uh, an Asian doing comedy, an Asian person doing comedy, right? Mm. And if you told me in like 2010, 2012 that this country would know, firstly, a Canadian actor is like pretty rare already. And then on top of that, to know and recognize a Canadian actor that is Asian. And so what Kim's Convenience was able to do, you know, the interaction you saw in the hallway Mm -hmm. is like, pretty incredible to me right and so the industry has changed the world has changed yeah. and i'm so thankful i get to be a part of that change and i want to keep pushing for that change which is what which was like my mantra with run the burbs was the way we cast the show we're always looking for like talent that is like like hidden gems like ali hassan who plays um my father-in-law and run the burbs i think is one of the most talented performers in this country and to finally for him to get his due mm. uh to finally getting the recognition he deserves makes me so happy because he's so talented he doesn't need me telling him that he's been so talented you give this guy a scene a line he'll crush it right same with Rocky morzaria my kids roman and zariah these are young up-and-coming talents we're just trying to change just trying to like elevate talent that is amazing already giving them an opportunity to flourish that's the mantra of the show the show is highlighting a family we know exists in the suburbs but we haven't seen with performers that are quietly crushing it in Canada that you should see more of so what's uh, you talked about projects that you're interested in you know like you might be sort of on the horizon is there something up your sleeve that you're working on that Uh, right now you're kind of sleeveless but yeah, that you're thinking of, you know, would be nice to work on. Like, do you want to do the 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 feature film down in the states? Is yeah. there like, do you want to do more TV? Do you want to get back into more improv comedy? Well, I'm always working on stuff. Like, like you know, uh, I try to play like once improvise once a month. Okay. Because, but like it's it's like hard because like you know shows are like at nine o'clock and yeah. <laughs> you got kids, man. You got kids, you know. <laughs> and like you put the kids to bed, and you're like, I gotta go do a show now. Yeah. I've been doing a show for the last ten hours. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, but I try to play once a month. Um, yeah, I got a bunch of features, uh, you know, up here, but it's like run the burbs has been taking up my bandwidth, yeah. but there are a couple of projects I'm connected to coming up that I'm like genuinely really excited about. Um, but again, like I said earlier, making a TV show is a miracle and it's very time consuming. So I've been in run the burbs for the last three years. I try to every year go out and make another project. So, yeah. uh, I made last one laughing for Amazon prime, which is really fun. Uh, I did two features this year, you know, I try to break out, do other, do other people's projects. Like yeah. if someone comes to me with their project, I'm like, what do you got in mind? What are you doing? Oh, I get to come and just show up yeah. be fun person. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. Cause like when I'm on staff around the burbs, like I'm wearing five hats. Yeah. I get to go to someone else's project and just like be silly and goofy. Though I did do a, I did a, a feature this year that was like it was a pre, it was a as a drama, and the filmmaker who I'm a big fan of, Julian, she wrote me and she's like, I think you're perfect for this role. It is a role unlike any role you've done. And so the scene, one of the scenes is it's about it's a movie about gambling addiction and the depths we go to. It's like it's like it's drama. It's yeah. a pretty gritty movie, and I'm telling this character that he has a gambling problem, and uh, I had just come off Run the Burbs, <laughs> and so we do a take, and she comes up, and she's like, Andrew, that was so good. Can you be eighty percent less funny? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? I'm not even playing. She's like, you're just you. You you're mine, too happy about yeah, this. <laughs> you mine every line for comedy, so it's actually making crew members laugh when you're delivering this really sad news. And I'm like, got it. So it is like an opportunity to play and challenge myself to do and go out and do different things because like yeah. I'm so in the comedy world. So to go out and to do a drama is really nice. But yeah. like, yeah, tons of stuff. But I, I will I will also say this. It's like. Our industry is often focused on what's next, what's next. My kids are growing up too fast and I'm seeing it. So what's next for me is also balance where I'm not working Hmm. and I'm just being with my kids and just doing stuff with them. And I'm very okay with that. And I've had to like really internalize that because when you come from an arts upbringing and you come and you're grinding it out, you're trying to, to get where you are. Sometimes you, you forget about those little things. That's like, like, that's what I'm fighting for. Right. I'm fighting for that. I'm fighting to have the flexibility and the freedom to be able to spend time with my kids with less worry and concern. My father couldn't because he needed to make money for the family. 
I can because of their struggle, what they did and what I've been able to do. So I'm actually like super okay with like, so I was like, what are you doing in the fall? I'm like, I'm going to finish posting around the burbs. I'm probably going to spend some time with my kids. Just hang out. Yeah. Just like go to their school a lot, be around a lot, go on vacation with them, do a lot of like road trips. I got a list of things saved. I want to build some things, you know. It's nice. I'm it's totally nice cool to, to, to be in that position, you know, like and to take advantage of it. Yeah. Like if Life's so, moving by like that. If you ask him, what's your next project? I'm like, my kids. That's my next project. I'm. I'm really happy about that. Yeah. My kids being my my next project to spend time with them because, you know, I, I've been away for three months making Run the Burbs. I just wrapped season three at the end of November, Oof. you know? And so it's it's a fast turnaround. Yeah. I'm out here doing press now, grinding it out. So I'm okay to just spend time with them and honestly to celebrate a lot of firsts with them. Yeah. I took my son to his first like pro indie wrestling show in Greektown. <laughs> nice. <laughs> He was like, dad, what is this? And I'm like, buddy, this is pretty cool, right? I'm excited for first, right? My son's playing on the basketball team. My older son's playing on the basketball team now. I am ready to bring snacks, (laughs) to drive (laughs) players to games. I'm ready for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, I want to ask you one one more thing here. Yeah, man. We've been trying to develop kind of like a tradition where our guests give some sort of advice. They talk to the people. Yeah. So – Take a look at that camera there. Yeah. I think it's this, this camera, one. Yeah. yeah. What advice would you give to new actors? Young, old, doesn't matter. Yeah. They're just new. They they see what you're doing. They're inspired. They want to get into the industry. They don't know where to start. Yeah. What's the first step? Well, really the first step, like my advice to young actors, and I've talked about it here today, is, is love what you do. If you love the craft, like if you love the process of dissecting a script, discovering a character, creating characters, creating moments, creating stories, creating laughter, creating tears, right? You got to love it. You got to love it for what it is because this industry is so hard. There's so much rejection. There is so much out of your control. Like the reason you don't get something is often sometimes like, oh, you're too tall. (laughs) You're not tall. Like, you know what I mean? You're not, you're not tall enough. Right. Eye color is like not the right color. It's like so it's it's so it's such little things. Um, but if you love it, you'll keep going. And if you love it, you'll find ways to do it. And if you love it, um, it doesn't have to be your just career. It could be your joy. It's the thing you love and you find other things to percolate it with. And like I always like reference my career. But if you love it, do it. So I get a lot of people who love comedy. They love making comedy. They want to do improv. They don't know where to start. I'm like, we'll take a class. Well, where do I go from there? We'll just keep taking more classes. Try to get more shows. Just keep doing it. If you want to do it, do it. Because you'll find a hundred reasons why you won't do it. But you need one reason why you will do it. So you just got to do it. And it's hard. It's not easy. But again, if you love it, you will find joy out of it. And that's what it was for me. I love doing improv comedy. I love making people laugh, even if it was one person in the audience who ended up being my wife, right? <laughs> the best laughter, but you got to love it yeah. at the end of the day. Anything you do, you have to love. And I think back to all the wonderful speeches I've heard. Jim Carrey had a great one about his father giving up on comedy to become an accountant because he wanted to provide for the family, but eventually getting fired. Yeah. So you might as well fail at something you love as opposed to failing at something you really don't like yeah. doing. You got to love it. And so I just want to teach my kids. I want, that's my advice to all the young actors out there. Do it because you love it. And uh, be, if you love it, you'll be in it for the long haul because I book Kim's Convenience at 29. So when you break things later, I'm seeing young actors like 23 give up on their career. I'm like, don't give up. Yeah, like maybe find another thing, but keep doing it. Yeah. Keep trying it. Write. If, if, if there's something that you don't like, find a different place. One of my favorites is a, is a friend of mine. She, you know, she was doing, a, she was like a stand-up comedian, but like after a while fell out of love with it and is now deep in doing makeup and uh, prosthetics. And will just post the most gruesome <laughs> neck cuts and you know, that kind yeah. of stuff. And I'm like, that's great because yeah. she loves what she does, right? So pivot. But at the end of the day, always love what you do. And I think if you ask any successful artistic person, You've had them on this show. There's one thing that connects them all. They love what they do. They will go through all the ups and downs, and they will all talk about the downs. There's been lots of downs, right? You've you, you've we've had you've had you know, Cardinal Fischel, Sean Desmond, mm-hmm. Julie Black, mm-hmm. 
these are all people riding high right now, but they've had their downs, right? So we'll all have our downs, but as long as you love it is what matters. Amazing. Andrew, you're a gem. Oh, you, you are, this was, this was lovely. I'm, I, I love this format. I love your clips. And honestly, like we talk about doing cause you love it. It seems like you genuinely love this. Thank you. I do. Cause yeah. I go to, I went to the YouTube page and was watching videos. And I was like, Oh damn. Like you love what you do. You're calm. You're collected. The conversation is so fluid. Um, I love it. And I remember when I met you on the red carpet in Edmonton, you asked me the question of like, what do you do when you're down? How do you recalibrate? Yeah. Right. And that's honestly a question I don't think I've gotten, you know, over the years. So it was like, oh, this, this interviewer is going to go kind of off the curve a little bit and really get to know the person and look for answers we might not have heard before, but answers that at the end of the day, make a person tick because you're getting at the core of me. And that's what happened in this conversation. It was lovely. Thank you. It's very kind of you to say thank you for saying yeah. that. And thank you so much for sharing your time. I really, really appreciate it. You're a gem of a human. Um, and I'm rooting for you. Oh, thank I'm you. I'm so rooting for you. Oh, that's great. I'm supporting you all the way. That's one less enemy I need. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, don't want, I, don't want, I don't want you as one of my enemies. You'd be a tough enemy to overcome. No, no, no. I'm, I'm your best friend thank from you. now on. I thank appreciate you, so much. you coming through. Yeah. Run the Burbs, season three. Yeah, they can. Season one and two are on Hulu. Season one and two are on Hulu and uh, in the U.S. Yep. Uh, and the CBC Gem in Canada, and they can stream season three on CBC Gem in Canada or watch it on Tuesdays at nine thirty on CBC. Amazing. After you put the kids to bed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or Amazing. keep them up. Or keep yeah, them up. It's Why fun. Not? It's a family show. Keep them up. Yeah, yeah. Andrew, thank you so much. Thank friend. you. I appreciate it. Thank you, everybody.